Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. And we're coming back at you this week a little bit later than anticipated, but it's okay. With episode number 65, The Mysterious Death of Kendrick Johnson, now reopened. I blame it on daylight savings. I blame it on being eight and a half months pregnant. (laughs) Daylight savings for me. Okay. Well, this is a mysterious one. Yeah. And we're just going to get right into it. So it was really big in the news when it happened back in 2013. And since then, it's been a tragic head scratcher for armchair detectives, YouTubers, and Redditors. I was trying to figure out what people on Reddit were called. And so I Googled, what are people on Reddit called? Yeah. And there was a Reddit thread about it. And everyone's like, losers, people with no life, lonely. You gotta love the internet. (laughs) But most people said Redditors, so I went with that. Redditors. And this is like a very big Reddit thread heavy case. There's a lot of people who have a lot of things to say about this case, right? So Redditors. Sorry, I'm I'm still stuck on that. There are the people that post on Reddit? Yes. What about the people that read the stuff on Reddit? Like You're us. just a creep. Oh, yeah, because you don't have a Reddit account. It just... You know, oh, so we're trolls or something. You're... Well, you're you're only a troll if you leave like mean comments, I think. So we're just we're I like just to creep- call it a we're just creepers. Card. We're Reddit creepers. It's cool. Like we don't post. True. Yeah. We're just peepers. Internet peepers. Yeah, we're Reddit peepers. Mm-hmm. So Kendrick Johnson, which you know we can refer to as KJ, because I think that's most people referred to him as that. So we might refer to him as Kendrick or Johnson or KJ throughout, but you'll know who we're talking about. He was 17 years old and was found dead in a mat at Lowndes High School in 2013. The circumstances of his death have been a source of conjecture, gossip, allegations, and lawsuits ever since. The Justice Department closed his case in 2016, saying that it could not meet the high legal threshold needed to file federal criminal charges. It would have needed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone had killed Johnson and was motivated by racial animus to do so. For years, KJ's family and many others demanded that the case be reopened. There was just too many unanswered questions, too many inconsistencies and coincidences for it to be just a simple accident. Just a few days ago, on March 10th, 2021, the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office reopened this case. So on Wednesday, January 9th, 2013, school had just started again after Christmas break at Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Valdosta, Valdosta? Sure. Okay, Valdosta, Georgia. <laughs> You're asking right. me. Valdosta is in southern Georgia, about 60 miles northeast of Tallahassee, Florida. Lowndes High School is a public high school with about 2,800 students. It's a fairly diverse school with black students making up about 24%, which is about 13% lower than the state population, but still pretty decent, diverse school. 
It has two gymnasiums, an old one and a new one. The old gym seemed to be used for storage more than anything else. But also like there were it was used as like basketball practice. There were no like games there or anything, but a lot of kids would just kind of shoot hoops in there. Yeah, it was kind of more of I was thinking in my mind more of like the Wild West where like there was like yeah, no there wasn't supervision. As much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like the bad kids. like. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was just kind of open. I think it was just kind of like open and used unofficially. They It was too small to have games or anything. And the bleachers were really not high at all. It looked almost more like a middle school gym. And so when they had updated, they kept that. But then they got a bigger one with like the bigger bleachers where they could have their basketball games. Lowndes High School also had lockers that you could use if you paid for them and you're asking if that was common right see when i went to school way back in the 90s we still had landline telephones i believe mm-hmm. and back then you didn't have to pay for lockers so this well, idea of paying I'm for lockers a- to me is a little weird so and i'm gonna throw out there i am a high school teacher and i teach at a school not unlike lounge high school about 3,000 kids, not a very diverse population. We're about 90 to 95% Latino. But I will say from my experiences teaching at different public high schools, I've never heard of you having to pay for a locker ever. But I had this feeling that like if this is the only way I could justify because this is a public high school. If you were an athlete and you wanted to store your things in a facility that you could get after hours, I could see why maybe like a second locker, having like a secure second locker that was like supervised might be an additional fee. I mean, I don't think this is what that was. Okay. I'm just saying that like, there are some things you have to buy, even if you're in public school, but a locker is sort of strange. I know you have to buy like PE clothes and all that. But yeah, I've never really heard of a locker being. I mean, that's beside the point, but it's I, I will say it, it does seem uncommon. It's kind of strange. So the reason we bring this up is that there were kids who wanted to avoid paying the locker fees, as I would as well. So students would stash their belongings in the old gym and they would use these rolled up wrestling mats that were probably for off season, you know, being used for storage. And they were rolled up and stored on their sides to use less room. So during the winter break, the school had acquired many more of these mats and they were kept in the back corner of the old gym and rolled up. These mats were about six feet tall and three feet wide, right? Yep. On Friday, January 11th, Jackie Johnson went to Lowndes High School. And Jackie Johnson is Kendrick's mother, right? Correct. She went to Lowndes High School to inform them that her son, Kendrick, or KJ, had not come home on January 10th like he was supposed to. Kendrick was 17 years old, a student at the school, and was expected to return home after a basketball game at school on Thursday the 10th. His mother reported him missing that night around midnight, which, you know, would technically be like the 11th, but you know what I mean? Because midnight is a yeah weird time. Gotcha. But he goes missing on the 10th. He does not attend his third and fourth period classes. He was marked absent from those. I don't know if she got a notification for it or anything like that. We couldn't find that information. But school records show that he did not go to his third and fourth period classes. 
And then he was pretty much unaccounted for after that. Yeah, he was definitely missed at home. Yes. So at 10.30, the same morning that Jackie goes and reports her son missing to the school, a few female students were in the old gym filling out some surveys when one of the girls noticed a sock sticking out of the top of one of the rolled up mats. And what happened next was something out of a cheesy horror movie. I wish it was a movie and not reality, but that's not the dumpster we live in. Thinking it might be a joke, one of the students climbed up onto the bleachers to see what was inside. And what they saw was a body. Kendrick's, it would turn out to be. They tried pulling him up, apparently, while another student was dialing 911 on their cell phone. So with the help of a teacher, the students pushed over the mat. And at that time, the smell of decomposition overwhelmed the would-be rescuers as it became clear that the body inside this mat was dead. And after this horrifying revelation, the teacher instructed the students to go to the new gym and the school went to the lockdown. Then the police informed Jackie Johnson that they found her son because this ended up being Kendrick Johnson. So Kendrick was found head first in the mat with two pairs of shoes stuck in there with him. So he's face down and there's one pair of shoes up by his feet toward the top of the mat. The other pair of the shoes were on the floor beneath Kendrick's body. So if we want to kind of narrate the scene a bit from what we can see, like if we're taking a visual of this, is that seemingly there's a pair of shoes at the bottom of the mat that he's diving in for, correct? Yes. And then there's a pair of shoes, and we'll post a picture. It's not... Ugh, it's a lot of the pictures in this case are really rough. <laughs> yes, they um, are. And part of that, too, is that the family wanted these pictures to be released. And it's very, very, very reminiscent of Emmett Till. So if you guys aren't familiar with Emmett Till, he was a young, he was like 14 years old. He was suspected of whistling at a white woman back in the 60s. This was kind of the impetus for or the catalyst for the civil rights movement and some some white men basically got together and dragged his body and killed him and dragged his body like through the street basically and to to kind of show the shame of this very racist wrongful thing that happened the family released his death photo basically to show the public what these horrible people had done it's even worse than that because it, yeah the white chick that supposedly got whistled to lied about the whole yeah, thing yeah which we found out a couple of years ago like it's pretty yeah, crazy like, yeah like decades after this whole thing happened yeah. she came forward but, and was like but uh, the simil- yeah. but the similarity is that the family purposely wanted these horrendous images to be released to the public to bring attention to the case being like how and to get public outrage you know like, exactly exactly so to get someone to come forward so or get someone we're not being info. messed yeah and we're not being messed up in you know like resharing these images and stuff this is what the family wanted the public to do they're like please share the images fucking figure out the mystery of our child's death like this is fucking crazy so there is this picture that it's fairly easy to find and we'll post it on our social media it's not it's I'm not going to I'm not going to post the autopsy photo because you can find that really, really easily. 
but the picture of the rolled up mat with his feet sticking out and then the pair of tennis shoes or the pair of basketball shoes are like laid on top of his feet and so it's it's strange they look like they're laid there like yeah so there's a couple of different ways i mean do we want to i mean we'll get into that later okay we'll get into that later but that's that's the scene okay so kendrick had been in this inverted position dead for 21 hours according to authorities you know investigators come to the gym and they start scanning the scene the only new blood investigators found was inside the mat. They found no blood outside the mat. Kendrick had been carrying some school books and a yellow folder, and no blood was found there. No blood was found on Kendrick's lower extremities or on the shoes he had been wearing, the ones by his feet. Actually, the sho- so the, the shoes that they found on the floor underneath him, the ones he was supposedly uh, trying to get, were completely devoid of blood. They were found in a pool of blood, but they had no blood on or in them. Yeah. Which is a little weird. Blood had pooled slowly around the shoes. And so this led investigators to believe that Kendrick was not bleeding before he entered the mat. Where is the blood coming from? Like his eyes or something? Or his mouth? Like, I don't... I don't know. I know. that it was. It's hard to... I mean, if positional asphyxia which is what he's going to eventually be his death is going to be ruled as if you're just hanging up upside down for a really long time i i get that there that there will be pool pooling of blood obviously around your head but i, I just wonder i mean i mean the blood must come out of your orifices like mouth ears eyes nose that's what maybe? i'm guessing like once your heart stops i think it just starts coming out yeah i mean it's not like anything that we know of is pierced at this point or anything it just kind of happens yeah you know i don't know okay so keep going sorry so it's, like it, this this case is crazy i mean that's one of the reasons we're covering it it's been covered a ton over the years we're covering it right now because there's develop there's new develop well potential developments in the case so Lowndes county started an investigation right away and one thing to know is the second pair of shoes were shared with a friend of Kendrick's. So that's the pair of shoes that he's going for. Right. And Amy described to me the other day how people often have two pairs of shoes that they wear. And like Especially ones basketball like their, players. their street kicks. And then ones like their gym basketball shoes that they only wear for playing basketball. And yeah. so... Kendrick had a friend and they had this pair of basketball shoes that they would share and they would stash them in these mats for the other one to get and vice versa. So, yeah. And then also if you're real serious at basketball, you've got your street kicks, you've got your practice shoes, and then you've got your game shoes. So shoes are very, very, very important in uh, athletic culture in general, but definitely basketball. And I worked at a school where basketball was the number one thing. And we were very, very, very good at it. So quickly, the going theory was that Kendrick got stuck in this mat trying to get this pair of shoes. So the opening of the mat is like, what, 14 inches wide? Yes. It's been purported to be anywhere between like, I think 14 and 17 inches wide. But his shoulder width from shoulder to shoulder was 19 inch- inches. 
So right. That I mean, I, I think know- it was seventeen inches wide. Okay, and he his shoulders were at least nineteen inches. Nineteen, yeah. Yeah, which I mean, it, we're talking about a very tightly rolled up mat, so it's not like there's a lot of give. It's not like he's diving into like a pillowy substance. It's like a hard rubber mat that's compacted. So a lot of people just kind of point to that as like, oh, impossible. His body was rolled up, period. But if you are in like a diving position with your hands over your head, you can make your shoulders narrower to fit a space. But I don't know, man. If if your shoulders are 19 inches apart, I mean, it's not like his hips were 19. I just, like, he was fucking wedged in there. Yeah. I don't know, like, how he would have been in there for that long and not been able to call out for help. And that's something that's been pointed out as well, is that there were periodically throughout the day, because he was there potentially during periods three and four and after school, And we know from surveillance footage and anecdotal evidence that there were kids in and out of the gym all during that time. So either A, they couldn't hear him or B, he just didn't call out or he was asphyxiated so early on that he didn't even get a chance. I don't know. I don't know. Like how they said he was in there for 21 hours, but how I don't think he was dead for that long. I mean, how long would it take for you to die? Upside down and positional mat like that. asphyxia, which is insanely rare in and of itself. I mean, it, but here's the crazy thing, too, is that it's not like he was totally, it's not like this was happening like underwater or something. Like there was some oxygen. I'm sure he was able to breathe for a while. That's what I'm saying. How long? I mean, I mean if maybe you're stuck an hour. Down, I don't know. No way. You wouldn't die in an hour. <sighs> maybe you would. I probably would. Yeah, I would probably, probably freak out. <laughs> I don't know. You got to harness your inner bat and just hang in there. I mean, it depends. Like if he was really wedged in there, the oxygen supply could have been cut off and he could have just had that small space of oxygen between his head and the floor and it could have run out and he could have, you know, if you're hyperventilating and you're freaking out, he could have depleted his oxygen supply and fucking. I suppose. Yeah. Passed out. He could have also he could have passed out. I mean, I guess if you're wedged in there and there's no oxygen coming in. Yeah. But also if he could have passed out and then died hours later, but just not been aware of it. You know what I mean? He could have just not been conscious for a long time. So if you're not conscious, you're not going to call out for help. So January 14th, 2013, officials report no injuries and the death accidental. That's very soon after. Kendrick's folks weren't having any of that. April 9th, 2013, the Johnson family says, quote, we don't think we know that he was murdered. So the Johnson family really believed that Kendrick was murdered. And the family took to the Valdosta streets and rallied at the Lowndes County Courthouse. They thought that there was foul play involved. And for good reason, there is... Definitely some things not adding up. On May 2nd, 2013, KJ's death is ruled an accident and the family protests. The announcement came just an hour before friends, family, and civil rights activists marched the streets outside of Lowndes High School demanding justice. And on May 23rd, 2013, the Johnson family says that the new report raises questions. 
Their family attorney said that the information from paramedics contradicts what law enforcement says, which again, like is the whole like not adding up thing where it's like they they're constantly hearing two different sides to this story. And it's not just like any old story. It's the death of their very loved son, you know. The report from the responding paramedics showed that Johnson's body was partially in a rolled up wrestling mat, but his torso, head and arms were exposed. The family's attorney said that this contradicts the investigators claims that Johnson's body was found upside down, stuck in the mat. That's very weird. That would be a conflicting report. So accident or murder? At this point, I'm not convinced it's an accident, but I'm also not there's definite no that it's a murder that it's murder i know it's fucking weird i know this i yeah there's a reason why we haven't done this case and it's part of it is that i cannot develop an opinion on it so the day after kendrick's body was found someone from the johnson family approached reverend floyd rose of the valdosta southern christian leadership conference or the sclc and can i say sick name bro floyd rose you metalheads out there will know what the fuck i'm talking about so, anyways. You're not going to explain who Floyd Rose is? Uh, okay, for you other well, people. Well, this is a different Floyd Rose. Obviously, but the one I'm talking about invented a thing on a guitar, electric guitar called a whammy bar, <laughs> and it's okay. fucking sick. All right, but this is a different guy. This is a reverend. Very different guy. <laughs> so this Mr. Rose was asked to conduct an independent investigation of Kendrick's case. And he gladly agreed to help. And from there, the SCLC worked with a family. And the SCLC is the Southern Christian Leadership Leadership Conference, just so you know. It's right, it's yeah. an organization that was super duper active with MLK Jr. as well as um, John Lewis was in the SCLC when he was in college, just so you know. The NAACP got involved as well. Do you know what that stands for? Uh, not off the top of my head. Really? Oh, I just called you out. I'm sorry. It's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Did you not know that? Well, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I the, know. I know. I know it as yeah, the you, NAACP. You know, yeah, you know what organization it is, but you didn't actually know what each individual letter stood for. Right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just know this stuff. I know you do. You're a fucking English teacher. Yeah, and I care about history. I mean, you care about history too. I know. Okay. I love history. It's great. <laughs> so the NAACP got involved as well. And Lay Touchton, part of the NAACP's legal team, was chosen to lead their own investigation. The case was obviously in the media. And locally, there were a bunch of marches and rallies held to draw attention to the case. At one of these rallies in April 2013, several Johnson family members were arrested for civil disobedience when they locked hands and prevented people from entering the Lowndes County Courthouse. Reverend Floyd Rose put up his own home as collateral to bail out Jackie Johnson. It's amazing. So that's fucking pretty crazy. I mean, he's obviously got faith in the family. So that brings us to the first, I guess, first autopsy. The first autopsy concluded the cause so of the death. So the first autopsy was done like right after he died, right? Yeah. Okay. And they concluded that the cause of death was positional asphyxia, like Amy said, caused by Kendrick getting stuck in that mat. 
but in June 2013. And there are scientists and people out there who say that positional asphyxia, like death by positional asphyxia, is not a thing. But, like, it is. There's very, 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 very few cases of it. But it is a thing. But some people don't accept it. Because they're, like, there's some other, like, underlying cause. It's not just that they're in a weird position and run out of air. I just want to point that out. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It is very weird. So, in June of 2013 with the financial and administrative help of the NAACP and the SCLC, the Johnson family arranged for the exhumation of Kendrick's body for independent autopsy to be performed by private pathologist, Dr. William Anderson. It was during this autopsy when it was famously found that Kendrick's organs were missing and his body was stuffed with newspaper. And this is the thing that on like true crime message boards and people on social media and stuff who just get like a whiff of this case. That's like the one thing that everybody clings to is just like missing organs. And it's like what I believe happened. And this is my conjecture. I don't because the chain of custody on this, because it was deemed an accident, the chain of custody is a lot harder to follow than if they thought it was a homicide. Right. So. The autopsy happened. When they're done with the autopsy, they usually bag up the organs. And I know you're going to talk about this later, too. But they usually bag up the organs and put it back inside of the body. Then they deliver the remains to the funeral home. Because, again, this is ruled an accident, so he's allowed to be embalmed and processed for burial, right? If this was a homicide, he probably would have stayed in the county morgue, and his organs definitely would have been accounted for at this point. And his clothes for blood splatter analysis and stuff. It'd be like more evidence than... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because it was deemed an accident and it was officially ruled that three days after his death, the there was no reason to necessarily need to preserve... I'm not saying it's good or, you know, acceptable, but for whatever reason, between the, the county medical you know medical examiner's office or you know deputy's office or whoever right when they transported his remains to this funeral home which the funeral home had donated their services to the johnson family that they is felt very bad for to him note here they did donate their services so in between that time basically the the funeral home accepted his remains and said everything was there But it could have simply just been that like, yep, 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 we received it. But knowing that it was an accident, it was deemed an accident. There was no reason to be insanely, you know, I'm not saying that like, I'm not trying to like excuse anything. So at this point, there was no, it wasn't deemed a crime. So they were So I think that there was just a little more lax. The remains. As a crime scene or evidence. Right. Yeah. It was just. But it's still irresponsible to not know between the county medical examiner's office or the coroner's office or whatever to the funeral home. It's not cool that like we don't know where the organs are <sighs> yeah. or the clothing is. So that is a that's the biggest question mark. And I think that's a lot of people's issue with this case is that the organs and the clothes that he was wearing are gone. Right. And yeah, we don't that's... know if it was lost in transit. We don't know if it was lost at the medical examiner's office. We don't know if the 
if if the funeral home did something sketchy or you know that adds sketchiness to it and again as johnson's family i'd be fucking livid one and then two i don't know it's just it's just <laughs> i don't need to list off why the reasons i would be mad if i was kendrick johnson's family but it's sketchy as fuck and i don't blame them for being like yeah this shit's fucked up i assume there's some paperwork involved too and the paperwork does say that the funeral home signed off on receiving everything so it does put it on the funeral home if if we if we have to point a finger it does put it on the funeral home unfortunately all right well there you go the fingers pointing at you bud so the family was not satisfied with this funeral home, to say the least, and they sued the funeral home. I believe in 2014, about a year later. Yeah, and I don't know what came of that, but... It was dropped. Okay. Oh, well, the charges were dropped because there was no wrongdoing. So basically, the Johnson family was alleging like that the new, like that it was disrespectful kind of a thing so yeah they and so they there, were no, there was no grounds for their it was dropped yeah they dig him up they see the newspaper inside and they're like what the fuck and they want it to be the funeral home's fault yeah but at the same time there's no law against using newspaper to fill a cavity no it's kind of out of date at this point uh or at that point it's usually like sawdust or something like that or cotton yeah that being said, newspapers not out of the the spectrum of things that they use, and like we said, this funeral home was doing this for free, so maybe that was maybe they were cutting costs. Part a bit. of the deal. I don't know where the clothes or the <laughs> bag of organs went. That's the real question, and I don't even think that the lawsuit towards the funeral home was really alleging that they did anything with the organs. I think that they were just really upset about the condition of the body. Like, and when I say condition, I just mean the newspaper. And so that's one. And and because it's not illegal to stuff, like it, there is no there, like embalming law. You know what I mean? Like, a funeral home can stuff a body, I guess, with whatever it is that they deem appropriate. I didn't know that. I don't think there's huge laws around it. I mean, you can't stuff a body with other. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that would be illegal. Like you can't stuff a body with like heroin. I guess you know. What I mean, like can you stuff a body with Bitcoin? <laughs> that would be very expensive. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so during this second autopsy, Doctor Anderson found a small bruise on Kendrick's neck and determined that Kendrick died of quote blunt force trauma right neck the bruise was two to three centimeters apparently but that was it so that is fucking tiny no broken neck no throat bones no internal bleeding just a bruise the report said that kj died from quote unexplained apparent non-accidental blunt force trauma the conclusion contradicted the original autopsy it was, yeah, the original autopsy didn't find any facial, last, facial lacerations or bruising. Right, which is weird. Yeah. Because it sounds like there was an obvious bruise, as small as it might be. Yeah, and it almost begs the question, could he have gotten it while he was like, you know, he, he was smashing? Because, I mean, again, like to dive into that mat with how small of an opening that was and how big of a guy he was, 
I feel like there would have been some kind of like mat burn or like something, you know what I mean? Almost begs like, could it have, could that, babe, could that have like happened from him going in? Us guys aren't as fragile as you. Okay. We would get in there unscathed. Okay. In my humble opinion. All right. So this was the first time in history that this injury was the cause of death. It is important to point out that Dr. Anderson did not think Kendrick was beaten. He believes the injuries came from skin slippage due to his position. The Johnson family are the ones who believe Kendrick was beaten to death. So just to kind of continue on with our timeline, on October 18th, 2013, a reward of $10,000 was offered in the Johnson case. And the reward money was put up by anonymous donor. And it only stayed up for about 90 days and then was rescinded. Right. Also in October of 2013, the Department of Justice, in part because of the advocacy of the NAACP and SCLC, agreed to investigate Kendrick's death. After Lowndes County had ended their investigation, finding the death to be accidental, the SCLC also concluded that Kendrick's death was a tragic accident. So they did their own independent investigative review. And so the SCLC said, yeah, it was an accident. On October 30th, 2013, the judge ordered the release finally of the school video surveillance of Johnson. Now, this is, you're going to talk more about it later on, but this is very, this is, again, with the missing organs, this is the next most contested, strange piece of evidence that is infuriating. A judge ordered the release of the surveillance video and other investigative documents more than 10 months after the 17-year-old was found dead in the rolled-up gym mat. And um, the Johnson's attorney filed a petition for a coroner's inquest previously. One of the reasons, and I think maybe you talk about this later on as well, but one of the reasons that it does take a long time to get surveillance especially of a school released is because of FERPA stuff and right having worked at a high school I can attest to the fact that on that surveillance footage there's going to be a lot of minors doing things in private and you're going to have to get releases basically to get that evidence like released to the family or to the public you're going to have to get media releases from like literally every single kid who appears in that video footage. So if we're talking about a school of 2,800 and their surveillance being all day long, we're talking like potentially hundreds of students that they would have had to contact their families to get like a media release for. And it totally has to do with like their privacy and stuff. I had students... I had well I can't say I had students I had a student who I will not name because I he'll probably sue me thank you for not naming (laughs) I had a student who from the beginning of his freshman year was vehemently against any footage of him being released to the public he didn't want to be in the yearbook he didn't want his name to appear in the yearbook I remember he you telling me about this to guy. Be, I had, yeah, I he knew sounded him. cool, actually. Yeah, and like there was, there was good reason for it. I mean, not like great, but like his dad had made him really paranoid. Um, but yeah, he had. Uh, he wasn't. He did. He his ID number. Like 
He basically want. I always, we always kind of joke that he was going to be like Jason no Bourne. Social security number. Well, he just like his shit was really private, and in even during the graduation ceremony, I don't think he went to it because it was being taped, and he made sure that his name was taken out of the program. Like, <laughs> an and so un, he is so, an unperson. Yeah. So when we're talking about like media releases, like. Yeah, most parents are like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But there are some parents who say, no, absolutely under no circumstances can my kid be videotaped and used. So the school potentially, and I don't know this for a fact, but potentially had to cut footage of kids they could not either A, get media releases for, or B, whose parents said, no, you can't have an image of my kid. Is that why the video is all cut up? I I think so, but I also think it's sketchy because if you don't explain that to the family, if you don't understand the purpose, and you could also of, just use that as an excuse if you exactly, were trying to hide some shit. Exactly, and it, and also because of FERPA agreement laws, the school is not at liberty to tell the Johnson family which kid was cut out and why, because that's their privacy. Right. Yeah. So they could say, yeah, like all the missing footage is of kids like we couldn't get media releases for or like for kids whose parents wouldn't sign it. That must but be that, so fucking frustrating. So that's why I'm again, I'm not trying to say that it's not sketchy. It is. But as an educator and understanding media releases and, you know, parents, you know, the fact that these kids are minors and it's they're doing personal stuff during that time. I mean, what if a kid was doing something illegal during that time? They would definitely not want that image to be released to the public, you know. So there would be many, many reasons why, unfortunately, some of the surveillance was probably cut up. Now, could the police look at the unobstructed evidence, surveillance, you know, surveillance footage without having to get the media releases probably but it we, well, yeah, we as a public but they would never be able to they see can't it. release the stuff exactly to the yeah. public so anyways yeah. i know it's a little sideline there but it's pretty important to understand why potentially the surveillance footage could be cut up on october 31st 2013 us attorney michael moore says that the fbi will help him find out how johnson died in january the announcement came a day after the South Georgia judge granted the teen's family access to the high school footage of uh, the time before Johnson's death. On January 15th, 2015, uh, another lawsuit is filed. So something just to bear in mind is that the Johnson family at this point between 2013 and 2015 has filed quite a few lawsuits. We talked about the funeral home, right? Um, yeah. And in 2015, so about a year after they tried to sue the funeral home, which charges were dropped, Johnson's parents filed a lawsuit accusing classmates of um, of killing Kendrick at Lowndes High School. Thirty eight defendants were named in the suit and the lawsuit said that three classmates attacked Johnson. So that that was a formal. Yeah, that was a formal lawsuit. Yeah. And you're going to talk about that. These three kids, right? Well, yeah, here we go. At some point during these rallies that the Johnsons were were holding, they began claiming that two boys were responsible for the death, and possibly three. These two boys were brothers, Brandon and Brian Bell. Brian and Kendrick were friends. 
though they did have a bit of a dust-up on a school bus on the way to a football game, that had been resolved. And that, and that was 14 months prior. So, yeah, like over a year before that, they had this fight, but they got over it. And they had even teamed up for a science project since that fight happened. This leads us to the first rabbit hole. Brian and Brandon's father was an FBI agent named Rick Bell. So already FBI equals sketchy. Yeah. And then the the fact that there's that random connection, you know. Yeah. Can't trust those fuckers. So surveillance camera footage catches Kendrick in the old gym in its timestamp. So at this time, a teacher and all of Brian's classmates placed Brian in a classroom nowhere near Kendrick Johnson. It was across the school. And at the time of Kendrick's death, Brandon Bell was on his way to M- Macon or Macon, Georgia. <laughs> Macon. Macon, Georgia. Macon. Oh my gosh. Come on. What is Macon? Like, it's Macon, Georgia. 100%. Is it Macon? 100%. 100%. Macon? 100%. Macon? 100%. Bacon? Like bacon? It's spelled just like bacon, but with an M. Yep. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, so, anyways. Macon. Oh Macon. my God. You've never heard of Macon, Georgia? It's a uh, huge city. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it is. Listeners, Macon, Georgia, back me up on this one is a very big city. I've heard of a million times. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, well, here in Macon. Oh my god. Uh, he goes with his wrestling team to attend a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were joking. I don't joke about Macon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah he was like fucking not even in the same town in November 2014 Johnson's attorney Shaveen how did you say that Shaveen King Shaveen King yeah Shaveen that's good I like that Shaveen King that feels good so claimed to have found a travel log that detailed the wrestling bus leaving at 4 p.m not at the previously stated 12.30 p.m. King was suggesting that an entire wrestling team, coaches, a bus driver, parents of the wrestlers, school administration, and the dozen or so teachers who excused the wrestling students from classes all falsified an alibi for Brandon Bell and that this was all orchestrated by Rick Bell, FBI agent extraordinaire. Pretty elaborate. I don't know. I'm into conspiracy theory, but that one seems like a... (laughs) That's a pretty... uh, That's a big stretch. So, another could-be rabbit hole. Kenneth Johnson was Kendrick's father. He identified his son's body. He has claimed to the media that while making the identification of his son's body he noticed that both the room and the storage drawer Kendrick was in was heated and that the Valdosta crime lab purposefully heated her son's remains in order to destroy evidence. Valdosta, I think. I'm really fucking this episode up. (laughs) So this is heavily disputed by Leigh Touchton and she was the one from the NAACP who started her own investigation into this. And she was, she took a tour of this lab and personally verified that alarms were armed to go off if the room or storage temperature rises above the appropriate temperatures. 
So it's kind of like me working at the meat department. Like if our case got too hot, there would be alarms. Same deal with this. So obviously not likely to be happening. So this brings us back to the photo of Kendrick's poor face. I know we want justice, but give this dude some peace. I mean, he's been, well, we'll get to it, but he gets dug up like two times. His pictures all over the place. It's just fucking grisly. And so, but there is a discrepancy with the photo, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the photo that we'll, was originally released by the family. <laughs> so the fo- the yeah the picture. There's, there's two photos. One is the one that the family released, and they eventually did fess up to. They took it at the funeral home. They made it seem like, and that's why a lot of people kind of like our anti-Johnson family, because they weren't entirely forthright with it. They said that that the the photo that they released was directly after his death. Right. And he looks fucked up. Like, yeah, dude, it's really And then they admitted like, grotesque. well, that was the first time we saw his body and it was at the funeral homes, which means it was post autopsy. Right. And so when a, when an autopsy happens, they do everything, which is they peeled back his face to check to see if the bones were broken underneath it and stuff. Yes. So by the time the family saw KJ's body for the first time ever, which is very unfortunate, it wasn't looking it, too good. It was it was post autopsy. So his face had been basically filleted off of his skull. Yeah. He had the Y incision on the chest. Up. Yeah. His organs were probably already gone. Yes. And that's why it's fucking unfortunate. But at the same time, if we want to be entirely honest, it that was post autopsy. That wasn't the way he was found in the mat. Later on, there would be another image of his face that was directly after being taken out of the mat. He doesn't look great, but he still he looks like a kid who, you know, had died in a mat. Like it's not like his face is like super fucked up like the second yeah, one. Yeah, like uh that picture that his family released, his features are really distorted. I mean, I I would be outraged too if that genuinely was his face after the mat. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's really it's hard to look at. It's really really uh, yeah, and we're not going to post it. You can easily find it, but if you find two different versions of his face post death, now you know why. Um, what, now you know why. One is the police evidence photo, and one is the family's photo that they took at the funeral home post autopsy. So, that's kind of like the big strokes of the of the you know the case. But there are things that happen after, and I'm gonna kind of lead, or I'm gonna lead you down that timeline. On March second, twenty sixteen, the hundred million dollar wrongful death lawsuit that the Johnson family filed against the Lowndes County School District was dropped. So they tried to sue for $100 million and um, the judge dropped that case. On June 20th, 2016, the Justice Department ends their investigation officially, announcing that the independent federal investigation into the 2013 death found insufficient evidence to support federal criminal charges and ends their investigation officially. In August of 2016, the defendants in Kendrick Johnson's lawsuits will get some fees. So a judge ruled 
a long list of people named in a lawsuit brought by the Johnson family that the Johnson family should have to pay their attorney's fees. And also in August 2016, the Johnson family files another lawsuit, which named many of the same claims from the previous suit, this time with 41 defendants named. The suit claimed that Johnson was murdered and it was covered up. So, sorry, the one you said There's so many. before that. Yeah. They, they were ordered to basically pay back. The Johnson family was. Yeah. Okay. So the Johnson family kind of got in trouble there. Gotcha. Because they said, hey, you shouldn't have filed this lawsuit. Now you have to pay their lawyer's fees. I'm assuming it's the Bell Boys. Yeah. Okay. So about a year later in June 2017, that lawsuit was dismissed without prejudice. And then in July of 2017, a third lawsuit filed in Johnson's death case. So the, the family filed the third lawsuit of the wrongful death to the Superior Court of Bibb County. And the defendants range from Lowndes County officials to former classmates. So again, it's like it's like they, they're just trying to get this wrongful death lawsuit anywhere they can. Because they truly do believe that their kid died not by accident and that there is a cover-up happening. So, I mean, I can only imagine how infuriating this is, is that no lawsuit is, no lawsuit is sticking, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. And maybe they have some, like, knowledge that they can't prove. Yeah, and well, they, they, they obviously know. do, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And the thing that I, the information I was getting... And the it was very anti-Johnson family. Right. Yeah. And it was kind of like, we're sticking to the facts and kind of like, and so, yeah, I want to do that with the podcast too, is stick to the facts and stuff. But like, maybe there is some legitimate things that. And, and who knows what a grieving family is willing to do. You know what I mean? Fucking A. Well, there's enough, like we said at the beginning, there's enough mysterious shit in this case to make it very, very gray. And that is one of the reasons I haven't wanted to do this case. I've known about it for years, but it's very, it's, it's infuriating, you know, speaking of infuriating cases, we tend to do those a lot lately. <laughs> um, so in the next month, August, 2017, Johnson's parents and lawyer are ordered to pay the attorney fees of all of the people that they're wrongfully accusing of his death seems fair and it 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 gets near three hundred thousand dollars so basically they're ordered to pay three hundred thousand dollars to basically all of the people that they've like smeared their the names that they smeared because at this point the bell boys one of them has lost their scholarship yeah, he was they were never they were never named wrestling. as persons of interest by the police. They were never named as suspects. It was purely the Johnson family. So again, I'm not trying to put place any blame or like bad light on the Johnson family, but they did really go after these two kids like pretty hardcore like on social media and going to the news and stuff. And there was no evidence to corroborate that they were involved at all other than like the fight that happened 14 months earlier. So on January 5th, 2018, the Johnson family files for the second body exhumation and the judge says, sure. And one thing, so 
after this fight that they have on this bus, a lot of people say that they made up and became friends. But I think the Johnsons were saying that they never did. They're like, I never heard them being friends. They yeah. never did reconnect after that and remained enemies or, or hostile. Or just not friends. Yeah. Right. So who knows? Yeah. So the family files for a second body exhumation gets it. And then in March of 2018, the appeal to not pay the legal fees is dismissed. There's there's a lot going on here. And then in June of 2018, third autopsy is set. So he's already been exhumed and autopsied the second time, which you told us about. Now he's exhumed and autopsied a third time. Right. And so what year is this? 2018. So, so this, this is five been, years, five and a half years after he died. Like, I don't want to be gross, but like, what? I know, I know. Is left? Well, that's a body's embalmed, so there there are still things left to examine, even the bones, you know. So the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, conducted that conducted the first autopsy and determined that Johnson's death was accidental positional asphyxia. His family later paid for a second autopsy that found there was blunt force trauma. But this third one. It backed up the first claim, yeah, the, right? Yeah. So the third autopsy determined that Johnson's cause of death was non-accidental blunt force trauma to the right neck, right neck and right thorax. That was which, autopsy two. No, this is, th this is the third autopsy. So that backed up it, Johnson's. Yes. The second one. Oh, okay. Well, it says, but no, it's a little bit different because it says it was non-accidental blunt force trauma to the right neck and right thorax. So not the bruise, which is the body cavity between the neck and the abdomen. So they found something else. So non-accidental. So, again, so, so again, if I was the Johnson family, I'd be like, what the fuck? Every single time you dig up her kid. How would they find that on a five-year-old corpse? Bones. Have you never seen the the show Bones? I watched that. You can well, tell a lot by I the bones. I have seen that because of you. But I'm just saying the bones tell the story. Okay, Dr. Bones. Okay. So on December 28th, 2018, Johnson, Johnson's parents and lawyers want evidence presented in front of a jury. And they said that they believed that the evidence was so overwhelming as to there being something more as okay so this is a quote from the family no this is a quote from the lawyers that the evidence is so overwhelming as to there being something more more akin to a homicide which again if we believe the autopsies especially the second one and the third one i wholeheartedly agree with johnson's lawyers right rather than an accident well that brings us back to like if you got stuck in one of these things how long you seems like you would be but, alive long but, enough to call out for help. But aside from that, if they're finding new injuries that could have been the cause of death and that wasn't in the first autopsy sketch as fuck, right? Brings us back to the fucking FBI. Yep. No one's friend. So on October 11th, 2019, so we're getting much closer to where we are today. Johnson's family requests the case to be reopened uh, on what would have been his 24th birthday. So actually you and Kendrick Johnson share the same birthday. 
On June 8th, 2020, an online petition starts to have KJ's case reopened. Celebrities like Kim Kardashian joined in the fight for justice, tweeting a link to the online petition to reopen Johnson's case. And the goal was to reach 1.5 million signatures, which I think they did actually. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like it has to be reopened because of the petition. So on July 1st, 2020, so we're getting really close, the defendants asked the court to dismiss them from the new KJ lawsuit. Lawyers for Lowndes County School Superintendent Wesley Taylor and the county school district file a motion to dismiss and they asked that the middle district of Georgia th- th- to be to be dropped from the lawsuit that KJ's parents filed over the death of their son. And I believe it that is still open. I don't know if there's been a decision made on that behalf yet. Okay. Because there is well not because but there is one more recent development right well we have breaking news somewhat breaking earlier this week march 10th 2021 uh we have new happenings in the case federal investigators finally gave the Lowndes county sheriff's office documents that the johnson family and the sheriff's office had asked for two years before in April 2019, they requested these documents and the feds were like, nope. So under pressure from the Johnson family, a federal judge ordered the evidence be released. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk, who was retired at the time of Johnson's death, confirmed to NPR that his office officially reopened the investigation on the Friday before March 10th. It did so after receiving documents it had long requested from a Justice Department investigation that closed in 2016. Quote, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I want a fresh start with it and look at it all the way through, Pock told Atlanta NBC affiliate WXIA on Monday. Quote, I think the community deserves it. And that's where we are now. So, yeah, just this And I think the community does fucking deserve it. Right? This is a, like, I agree with the Johnson lawyers in, like, 2018 saying, I'm sorry, but the evidence is more akin to a homicide than an accident, and I don't disagree with them. I'm not saying it's absolutely homicide, but it seems closer to it than accident. If if I, my... I'm still not sold on, like... I'm not sold that don- it was a homicide. No, like, just, like, the, like, if, like, you fell down this thing. So if your hands are in front of your... Uh, like a diving head like if you're in that you that opens your your chest cavity up for to breathe which is what but again so think about it the sec the third autopsy that is the area where they saw damage right yeah so i but is it damage from the mat or is it damage from something that happened prior to him going into the mat because there are people who out we didn't talk about this theory but there are people out there who believe he got messed up in some way i don't know how because it you know the second autopsy said it wasn't obviously beat up but that somehow he was killed or you know shocked or something and then someone rolled him up in the mat right and placed him right. in the corner, which would have been quite a lot of stuff to do. 
considering because there was a lot of mats. There was a lot of up. yeah. We'll post so a picture. There were a lot of mat to get to that mat one. Yeah, in position and not have any DNA like on the floor, like because you'd have to like smear. It's I mean, unlikely to get gross. But, it's unlikely. Yeah. But they're just saying that his body was in there so tightly that like it had to have been rolled up. That's what some people believe that. I mean. But again, like maybe the injuries to his face and like rib area were because he was shoving himself so violently down the mat to try to get those shoes. Well, I could understand once you realize you're stuck, you start freaking out. And then when you, you get it's kind of like a Chinese finger trap. The more you yeah. pull, the tighter it gets. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's so, but, he, but weird, here's though. the deal. We don't know. Like, we're just two dumb podcasters talking about this case, okay? I mean, I'm not totally dumb. I have like two master's degrees. But... I'm dumb. <laughs> I will take that responsibility. But I don't have a master's degree in like criminology or like criminal justice or like anything like that, you know? But all I'm saying is that do you think that this case should be re examined? Definitely. So there it is. We're not saying absolutely homicide absolutely an accident what we're saying is like we don't fucking know because we're not experts but you know who are the fucking people re-examining the case right now which is what should have happened fucking years ago i'm and glad I'm, you didn't say the fbi because <laughs> but all i'm saying is that i'm like it's not like we're saying yay the the johnson family is getting justice they might not get justice they might not get the answers that they want to hear but the fact that it's being re-examined by a guy who sounds like he really fucking wants to find out what happened, like this is this should have happened fucking years ago, years ago. Well, yeah. Uh, the justice system in this country is a bit fucked. As I don't know if you've been um, listening for the past sixty-five episodes. I don't know, Amy, if you've been around that in in the states for that long, but um, <laughs> it's not as good as it is supposed to be yeah i know and that's one of the reasons i'm so into true crime too is that it's sketchy as fuck like and you want and you want to get down to the bottom of it part of it is being like a would-be kind of like a researcher investigator into like a lot of these fucked up cases would you go so far to say redditor <laughs> i'm just a creeper redditor so, and for the new listeners out there being like, God, this guy fucking doesn't like the FBI. I just want to put it out there. I don't like any government, anything, and I don't trust them. So, so there you go. There you go. So that's the case for this week. It's a crazy one, right? Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's so they got 17 boxes of documents. And that guy is going to go through it with a fucking fine tooth comb. And, and I and I and I trust him. Like computer I don't know hard why, drives, I computer towers, they got a bunch of shit. So we'll see what comes up. Yeah. So we'll keep you updated as much as we can, but also, you know, set your Google alerts for Yeah. When if and new this stuff is the only up. podcast you can trust. Don't go, don't go listening to the other <laughs> ones out there because they don't fucking know, dude. No, general. Uh, I we, I also do want to acknowledge we used a lot <laughs> of sources in this one, and we'll 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 link all of our source material. But we did listen to the um, the two kind of largest podcasts that covered this. You know, a number of like one covered I think last year, and one covered it a couple years ago. 
Generation Y and crime junkies, they tend to do very big cases and they do a very, very good job with them. But um, we both like passively listened to both of those episodes just to kind of serve as a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a Back, baseline. Background noise. So you can join our Facebook group, True Crime Dumpster. You can follow us on Twitter, TC Dumpster. You can follow us on Instagram, True Crime Dumpster. And you can listen to our podcast on all the platforms, including YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, all those. Put your ear up to a shell on the beach. And you can probably probably hear our voices. So stay tuned until next week where we keep talking out the trash. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 